Bada bam, give me a deck. Shuffle the deck. Pass out these cards. You ever been a, a, a card player, Ian? You you play cards at all? I've been known to hold them and maybe sometimes fold them. Now to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. Hold them. I, I can't sing the rest because they're not going to give us a cease and desist order. I'm not going to do that. No thanks. No thank <laughs> no you. Thank, can't afford no it. Thank you. No I'm thanks. But yeah, I played that. some cards. Right, I done, yeah. I done, <laughs> I done slung some, some bicycles. I done, okay. uh, you know, yeah, I done yeah. flipped the, the river. I done... Uh, Spritz the 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 run. I don't know. I'm just coming up with stuff now. But why yes? We playing cards today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're playing cards today. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's play some poke, baby. Texas. I've never played the 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 five car stud game. I, that just looks it looks kind of boring to me, isn't it? Just like it's different. I think I understand it. Right. You 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 have five cards, so you essentially have the river in your hand. Precisely. You are trying. It's like go fish meets poker. I think it's like some. Yeah. Can we get a high risk gold fish fucking like game in like Las Vegas? <laughs> Can that be a thing? Can you imagine the goldfish fucking tournament with shades on and everything? This is this is remarkable because right. Ben, I I love you. You think that the cards game's name is Goldfish? Is it Goldfish? Or is it it's Goldfish? Go fish. It's like Go Fish. Oh, it's like God, do you it's have one of those so fucking, and so? Uh, I forget. Go Fish. I forget what you call the the terminology. Um, kind of. Is that right? Uh, no. It's a different. It's a terminology where people have either misheard the word and they changed the meaning of the word, or they changed the how it sounds or how it's pronounced. Right. I saw it on the right. wire. Uh, the Wired series um with a guy who does the languages and i can't think of give me a second well i just want to posit for a minute that we have created possibly the ultimate in high stakes las vegas gambling wherein it's goldfish and is it like goldfish racing what does this look like <laughs> is it goldfish playing cards but then you got to figure out how to make them holdable for fish that's it's so funny though. Goldfish? No, dude, it's not goldfish. I swear I've been hearing goldfish. I, you know, <laughs> I, here's I just I, needed to address for a minute. I was like, no, I no, love that absolutely. this could be because a reality. The thing, I knew it was goldfish, but I was like, dude, I feel as if if I say goldfish, I'm going to sound dumb. And I feel like maybe it is goldfish. And I talked myself into saying goldfish. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, out of sheer will and anxiety, you cre you curated an entirely pocket timeline wherein yeah <laughs> for <laughs> history in memoriam, whatever the history of GoFish is, how long has GoFish been around? Uh, it was GoFish history. Oh, this is interesting. This is what our podcast is now, right? The GoFish card game was invented in 1984. What? Fuck off! By an eight-year-old boy. God damn it! Uh, whoa, gotcha. Okay, so basically, this little fucking eight-year-old boy from Buffalo, New York, mm. somehow stole Go Fish from the Chinese, because it's documented being played over a hundred years ago in China, but for some reason, everyone credits this little eight-year-old in, in Buffalo. <laughs> uh, thank you, little eight-year-old eight in Buffalo. Damn, they just came up with a whole new card game. Uh, just came up with a whole new card game, but... That's crazy. Okay, so what I did there, 
uh, friends. Uh, look up um, the accent expert um, breaks down language pet peeves. It's Eric Singer. Um, that's E R I K um, Singer, and it's called an egg corn. An egg corn is when you uh, a phrase or a word that sounds like and is mistakenly used in seemingly logical or plausible way for another word or phrase. So uh, <laughs> that's what I did. I just wanted to put that uh, nugget out there. <laughs> Because you gotta let him know. Gotta, gotta let, let him know. Real know. Quick. Uh, that's so funny because I was just watching that video not too long ago. But yeah, that little kid in Buffalo, he, he came up with goldfish. Now I can't stop <laughs> the fish game, the fish cart game. All right, friends. Well, you heard it here first. This is a huge, huge announcement. Go fish henceforth is going to be referred to as goldfish. And uh, there's just no two ways about it. Like, we don't make yeah. the rules. We don't make the rules. We don't, we just enforce them. Uh, right. Yeah. Look, that's it. I, that's the end of the podcast. Uh, now that we know that revelation, um, th- that's that, all I've been that, looking for. That's been yeah, my that's the whole overall grill. sort of yeah character arc. You know, yeah, absolutely. And and that 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 will be the last episode of this. Uh, we've changed the timeline. We've had some good times. We've had some bad times. We've cried. Mm-hmm. We laughed. <laughs> uh, we've forgotten. Uh, we've met a lot of new friends and family members along the way. Um, <laughs> but now and, that we you know, know just in the end yeah yeah maybe maybe the real movies were the friends we made along the way so i mean one all i can say is goldfish gold goldfish joint yes it's like you yes, out it's yes. not the end it's just the beginning the beginning yes this is too many flicks my name's ben my name's ian and if this is your first time listening i'm gonna give you the rundown of the show so you are not lost and we are on one accord all right first things first we talk about movie trailers that's right we put two movie trailers together two or more movie trailers together we do uh, in an all-out brawl see which trailer is the better trailer in trailer versus trailer. After which we talk about some movie news. What's hot in the press is right now. We're going to grab it. We're going to tell it to you. We're going to let you know that this shit is happening in the movies right now. After right now. which we give you some hot, stanky takes. That's right. The Ooh. hottest takes in the, of the industry. You probably will like it. You might not. It's going to be, it's going to ruffle some feathers. It might. That's why it's a hot take, baby. Then afterwards, we give you some trivia because what is this show without some knowledge in your motherfucking brain? Put it in that noggin. That's right. Put it so in that noggin. Put on your seatbelts, buckle up, put hands and feet inside this fucking vehicle, and get ready for some too many flicks. Let's kick her off. Trailer versus trailer. All right, we're off in our first segment, trailer versus trailer. All right, you know what that means. We got to pit these trailers against each other. We have a little bit of a different setup this week. We could doing four different trailers. Um, there's so just gonna, so many yeah, contenders. So much, so much stuff. I mean, we, you know, it's what happens when it's like two, you know, every two weeks now. It's just, it's a lot of mm-hmm. stuff you got to jam in. So it, it's, it takes a lot of pre-production to make sure we, we get what we want 
and, and what we think is exciting for you guys as well to check out. So what we're going to do is we're going to do it in rounds. We're going to do 2v2 uh, our first round and 2v2 the second round. Um, so we're going to go ahead and give you the description, the rundowns of both trailers um, for this first round. And then we're going to come up with a winner. And then the second round, we're going to do the same. Um, all right. With that being said, let's kick her off um, with the first trailer of the week. Raya and the Last Dragon is a Disney uh, film, uh, animated film, and it's coming out March the 12th of 2021. And it's directed by Don Hall, Carlos Lopez Estrada, and Paul Briggs. And it's starring Kelly Marie Tran and Aquafina. In the distant realm of La Mandra, Rhea, a young warrior, squares off against ancient forces in her search for the last dragon. What's our second trailer? What is Rhea going up against, E? What's the tale of the tape here? Continuing with Rhea in The Last Dragon, friends, we are taking a look at Come Away, which drops November 13th. It is a live-action film directed by Brenda Chapman, and it is starring... David Oyelowo, Gugu Mbatu-Ra, Angelina Jolie, Anna Chancellor, and Michael Caine, just to name a few. In the wake of their eldest son's death, Rose and Jack struggle not to slip into despair while their youngest children, Peter and Alice, are forced to make an important choice between the harsh realities of home or the vibrant magic of imagination. Ooh, you know what? We didn't do our corner, so I'm just going to give the corners right now. So I was going to ask about yeah, that. <laughs> it's all good. That's all right. In the macaroni corner, that's going to be Rhea and the Last Dragon. And in the cheese corner will be Come Away. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. Concise. And you know what? The judges have to allow it. They, they can't do they anything about it. They're like, yep, we need the corners. Yeah. We, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and now the match must commence. Now Our it must commence. Ready, fight. Okay. <laughs> All right, all right. So uh, let's give the list off. Uh, Ian, what'd you think of uh, Ray and the Last Dragon um, and and Come Away? Um. So these are two family films uh, uh, on two opposite ends of the spectrum to to some degree. You know, uh, I think Come Away looks like it could be a really great low budget sort of indie type darling movie. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas Raya and the Last Dragon is very clearly Disney's next sort of push to find their new market. It it uh, uh, mm, mm-hmm. it feels to me very much like, and we talked a little bit about this off the record. Raya and the Last Dragon sort of feels like Disney Princess 2.0 in the way that she is like she's not a princess. She is in fact a fighter and a warrior. But Disney realized like ah, the age of princesses is done. That's no longer marketable. Now we've got the fucking action stars. And I think you put it really well. You said it's sort of uh, Disney's answer to uh, a Marvel in such a way, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which was, uh, I thought, really, really smart and and kind of on, on, the, on the head there. Come Away, here, here's what I'll say. Here's what I like about Rhea versus Come Away. Rhea, I got a strong sense of character over time. Mm-hmm. Disney did a really good job of we open with Rhea and the Last Dragon, pretty much what seems to be the prologue of the whole story, kind of, to in a in a microcosm, you know? She goes into this sort of dangerous temple as a young, uh, upstart sort of warrior adventurer. She conquers this little sort of 
a booby trap net sort of deal using her cute, very Disney-fied, marketable mm. animal companion. Uh, <laughs> we establish the dynamic between them as well as the little like joke. You know, like it's like this cute little armadillo creature that is constantly getting sidetracked, and Rhea has to be like, "Hey, focus." And it's really cute and, of course, like, listens. And she helps lift him up and roll him over. And then we fast forward to the end of the trailer. Like, this is all just the prologue. And we see that she has grown up and the dynamic is still there. Like, it did a really good job of establishing who this warrior we're going to be spending the movie with is, you know? Mm, mm. Uh, And come away, I got a little bit less character, a little bit more concept. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and and not that that's a bad thing, but come away. I looked at it, it has a runtime of an hour and 34 minutes. And I think it really has its work cut out for itself because it's paying homage to two fairy tales. Uh, it doesn't necessarily say this in the description, but dear listener, if you watch the trailer, you'll see that it is uh, Peter from Peter Pan and Alice from Alice in Wonderland, who are sort of like these two kids. They've created these fantasy worlds that are they real or are they not real that they sort of escape to in the face of loss and grief um and that's rad as hell but in an hour and 34 minutes that's three really strong threads the Mm -hmm. two fantasy threads and the family thread that you need to somehow weave together to make very compelling that seems like you've already made a difficult task for yourself you know uh yeah this those very solid point, especially with Come Away. I, what, what was the runtime again? An hour and 30 something? An hour and 34 minutes. Oh, with all the shit that they tried to convey here, that's going to... And they try to set up. That yeah. kind of scares me a little bit now that I think about it. Um, But if we're just talking about these trailers alone, um, well, wow, an hour and 30 minutes. 34 minutes. Jesus. I, Which again, yeah, like it raises <laughs> the question. That was that was right. sort of what took me out of the trailer was yeah. it made me ask like, how long is this movie going to be? Are you going to be able to do all this? Right. Yeah, it definitely and seems like, like a 2 hour plus movie that you have. Right. A little bit. Yeah. If you're going to if you're going to develop all of these threads in a substantial way, mm. you know. Not that you can't. Like there there are films that prove that to the contrary. Into the Spider-Verse is a is a film jam-packed with themes and right. like absolutely so it's not impossible it's just it seems like they made a lot of work for themselves yeah it seems like they probably had a lot of cutting to do on the editing room floor uh Mm. yeah so raya and the last dragon has very clear concise um well edited uh like would what else would you expect from a disney uh movie uh trailer so um it looks really cool ian you brought up some points I, i i don't know if you said this already i apologize if i'm reiterating it and this is redundant but it just seems like an amalgamation of uh different brown um cultures and uh races together without them having to do the hard work of like picking one specific um um culture and race um and Mm -hmm. really uh appreciating that in this fullest um with the fullest intent and extent of of what they can do with that uh but it is cool though that i think some of the writers the writers are uh uh Uh, people of color Um, yes the writer's room is uh as far as i can tell uh all people of color which is pretty cool that is really cool so you know it's gonna be handled with care so i I, you know on one front i could understand that um on on the other front too i I would like to think that this is probably going to be handled well it was handled well and was really cool visual in this trailer alone um Mm-hmm. And this trailer managed to tell a lot of the story, but at the same time keep us in the dark. Whereas Come Away, um, by the way, has a star-studded cast, and it's beautiful to see that many people, those 
that many people of color doing like things that usually are off limits for us. Uh, so that was really mm -hmm. cool. However, if the trailer, if we're talking about the trailer and the edit, I really didn't know what was going on. It just seemed like mm -hmm. a huge mushroom trip, which is dope and can work for a trailer. But in this, it was kind of all over the place. Um, right. Still looked fun, but it did look kind of messy. And I don't know if that was the intent or not. And I think that's a problem not knowing. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Um, the trailer is the opportunity for the filmmakers and, and storytellers to make clear like where they're coming from and what they're trying to what they're yeah. trying to say if they wanted it to be messy like make us understand that like oh it's like told from the perspective of children of course it's a little messy or something you know like yeah make that, that framing clear. device wasn't there necessarily yeah. make I, that I got choice you. absolutely because it comes out november the 13th that's not that's not far from now that's about, this is, yeah. yeah, two weeks. Yeah, and if it's one of your trailers, I don't, I don't know if there's another trailer out. I don't, I don't think so. Um, you, you got some work to do to get us really invested and to want to watch this movie. So that's what a trailer does. It be, mm -hmm. do we want to watch this movie as moviegoers? Um, and we try to put our minds in casual movie fans. Um, which hopefully people who are casual moviegoers listen to the show. And I have to say, it doesn't quite meet the bar. For me um but again it's really cool it's very colorful in the color palette and also in the diverse city aspect and i that is striking to me more than anything and that has me intrigued but you got to do a little bit more I, I want a little bit more fleshing out of what this story is um, certainly yeah because like on the first trailer or teaser it's okay to to kind of be ambiguous i think you know um but when you get this close to the to the to the, to the release date you got to give us a little something else that's uh, totally valid and i i do want to circle back and touch yeah. on uh a commonality that these two trailers share that i i love you brought up uh the, the there was something about Rhea and the last dragon that as polished as it is as great as the sound design is as flashy and gorgeous as it looks that made me feel just a little bit uneasy because you brought it up that like it does feel like sort of an amalgamation of a bunch of different cultures blended up. And so there was a piece of me that's like, is that good representation or is that appropriation? Mm -hmm. And then I thought about it for a little bit. And like, this is why I'd be curious if we have uh, any listeners who are of Southeastern or Pacific Islander Asian descent. I, I would love to hear any sort of feedback because... I thought about it and I was like, well, the majority of fantasy settings as we know them now are pretty much just amalgamations of a bunch of different white European cultures. Yep. Mm -hmm. And the writer's room for Rhea, at the very least, tends to just based off of the IMDb profiles and biographies for everybody listed. Uh, the writer's room for folks who are curious, they are named uh, accordingly Adele Lim and Queen Nguyen. Mm. Uh, so the writer's room at least represents or reflects the cultures that uh, are some of the cultures that are being repurposed into this fantasy realm of Lumandra, which is which is cool and makes me go like, OK, like where does that line exist then mm, you know absolutely uh and likewise come away as you pointed out like is a is a fantasy film with a bunch of stars star-studded black indigenous people of color like you know like it's not something you typically see um and so i really appreciate that like the fantasy setting is shifting you know like i think both trailers have that going for them yeah this is a much needed shift uh, uh yeah 
because uh, fantasy definitely does need that. We saw it in Game of Thrones, y'all. We come on, we know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is not the only way to tell a, a story that involves fantasy, uh, <laughs> despite what people might think. Um, you also seeing that a lot in tabletop RPGs, but that that's a discussion for another day. So with that mm-hmm. being said, uh, what trailer here? I will say this. What trailer wins trailer versus trailer? What trailer would you go in watching this trailer and be like, I'm definitely going to watch that movie? It's going to be it's going to be Raya for me. Yeah. It's yeah. a little bit tighter. It's a little bit uh, more compelling. I feel a little bit more secure in the knowledge that it will be time well spent. Mm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You know, like it'll be a more compelling hour and something of story than come away. Uh, just mm-hmm. because it's not trying to do too much. It seems like it's trying to do plenty, but it's got like a singular sort of focus. I fuck with that. I fucks with that. Yes. Um, all right. So I am in the same camp, my dude. Uh, Ray and the Last Dragon is just, I mean, it's almost not fair because they, they're they just really good at this. When they when Disney cares about a product, um, you and can And by tell. cares, gen- usually that means that someone up top has deemed it marketable and passed down the okay to a team <laughs> of people who care. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because like even the trailer for Artemis Fowl was kind of like burp, burp, uh, and that's Disney too. So you can always mm-hmm. tell where the money is going um, and the money's going here. I have a question for you though. Do you mm. think this is a musical? Interesting. That was something that I had not, uh, that was not a vibe that I had gotten from this. Mm-hmm. Neither did I. That doesn't mean that it's not. Right. Uh, it would surprise me though, kind of going the, the sort of route that they're going like this there, there's a lot of this that uh, uh, in Ray and the Last Dragon, a lot of imagery that I it really evoked Assassin's Creed. Ooh, yeah, enough. yeah, yeah. I get like that. with like the glass splintering at points and like yeah. whoosh, like it looked very. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I think it's gonna be a little more grounded, a little more action focused. I think it's go- like Disney is going to be getting away from the princess motif. They might continue to do the live action movies and capitalize off of uh, the rest of the Disney Renaissance princesses that they can. But I think that the future of Disney in that market, they're they're pivoting, and it's going to be like badass action girl now which is not a which i'm here for mm. but it's it's just sort of what i see as their replacement for princess like someone up top in the fucking money making chair was like this is what's marketable now like let's do this instead and it's like okay great we have a bunch of t- people who are already passionate about that mm. which is why i wanted to make a point of saying that like i'm sure the team cared about this but it's only getting made because someone up top was like we can make a shit ton of money off of that. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. Um, I like that. I well, I hope they move forward with really opening up. Uh, if they do do Disney princesses or anything like that, to maybe like trans princesses or or a queer prince or something like that, which we're definitely, I think, we, there's an appetite for, and we need that because uh, people exist. <laughs> like, yep, they're in the world. Um, that comes down to a whole other separate conversation to be had in terms of money because like uh, there's and we've talked about this a little bit in the past not to throw us too far off topic but there is Mm. some concern among the general american the mpaa and other people who craft cinema that tries to be conscious about Mm. how major studios abdicate to censorship in overseas markets 
Yeah, and that's a true. lot of that that's censorship true. is uh, anti-queer, is anti uh, uh, a whole bunch of stuff, but specifically rooted in homophobia and transphobia. So it, it, I think it'll require a huge. It'll be a huge statement if we see anything like that, and it would reaffirm my hope in that, like, ah, oh, the people at Disney maybe do have like a little bit of conscience and morals, but I guess I'm not holding my breath. Uh, we'll see. So, well, uh, we went to the judges' cards, scorecards, and they, uh, uh, by judges, I mean Ian and myself. And I think this is a decisive <laughs> victory in the camp for Rhea and the Last Dragon. All right, let's get to the second bout. We had a dual main event here. Um, what? 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 And right now, the tail of the tape. Uh, in the Boogaloo Corner, we've got The Midnight Sky. That's coming out December of 2020, uh, which is this year. Uh, and that's going to be released on Netflix. And it's directed, get this, guys, by George Clooney. It's also starring George Clooney, Felicity Jones, David Yellowo. Um, damn, David is getting work. Uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. Stephanie Rundell and Kyle Chandler. This post-apocalyptic tale follows Augustine, a lonely scientist in the Arctic, as he races to stop Sully and her fellow astronauts from returning home to mysterious global catastrophe. Um, All right, what we got in the what? other corner, my friend? And contending over in the salad cat meme corner, Oh, is the white <laughs> tiger. The white tiger drops January 22nd of 2021, also on Netflix. And it is directed by Ramin Bahrani and it is starring Adash Gurab, Priyanka Chopra. I'm not sure if I should add Jonas to that or not. People have jokingly added Jonas to that. But if she wants to stay Priyanka Chopra, more power to you. Mm -hmm. uh, and Raj Kumar Rao, as well as Perry Kapernaras. A lower-class Indian driver, tired of his life of servitude, uses his wits and cunning to jumpstart his social mobility, no matter what it may cause. Ooh, man. Oh, my God. These are totally different movies as well. But They are totally different movies, but they are both very well-crafted. Uh, at okay. least in their marketing materials. Yes, uh, let's see who has the better trailer. Uh, ben, why don't you tell me uh, yeah. your feelings on both of these here contenders? Well, you know, I love me some sci-fi. Um, the Midnight Sky, I feel like we've seen a, something similar to this before. Um, so it's not necessarily mm. too uh, original. Um, but that being said, it's George Clooney's... Uh, I think he has directed before, but this is another directing credit from him. You don't get you don't get many, and it looks mm -hmm. beautiful. I mean, some of the shots just look absolutely stunning. Um, I think I can tell what the global catastrophe catastrophe probably was. Um, I think I don't know. There's still a mystery there, but it's either mm -hmm. a nuclear winter or some type of global warming catastrophe. We know George Clooney is a global um, is a humanitarian with that and environmentalist, so that. That's mm -hmm. always something I think he's trying to have a message on. Uh, yeah, it gives you just enough. Uh, I saw a lot in the YouTube comments for this trailer. Is the the young uh, girl that he's with, is that part of his imagination? Does she exist? Um, that's kind of fascinating. So there's layers to mm. this, I think, that I hopefully it's not uh, tied up in a neat bow. But the trailer alone has me intrigued for sure. Um, it's did 
quite a, uh, a mystery box there that I'm I, I'm more than willing to unravel. And it's coming on Netflix, so it's easily accessible. Just pop that mm-hmm. bad boy on and see what it's about. And hopefully, you know, Netflix has a spotty track record with films, but hopefully this is one of those ones that you just really like. And, you know, I... I want Clooney to succeed. Yeah, I want Clooney to succeed, too. Come on, Clooney. The budget looks pretty fucking phenomenal, too. Like, they went all out, it seems. It looks good. I definitely put in my notes. I was like, it's probably super lucky for this story that Clooney was so heavily attached because that's the only way you're getting that sort of money on a project like this. Absolutely. Yeah, that George Clooney's name attached and he's directing. They gave that exactly all the money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like here, fam, don't even worry about it. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So great trailer. Well edited. I there's really no downside to the trailer. I'm gonna be completely honest. Same goes for the White Tiger. So this is gonna be hard. Mm. Um, some really powerful messaging just in this trailer alone. And it something that if you allow me to circle back to um, come away that that doesn't do is it leaves a, a bit of mystery and intrigue. Just a bit. Like it doesn't give you everything, but it gives you enough to know what this story is about. Right. Mm-hmm. It doesn't tell the whole story, but it does enough um, to see the arc of of uh of the character here and it's dealing with the uh, indian caste system and that's very clear the message is uh i think there was a, a line in there he's like yeah you know I'm, I'm i'm finally waking up everyone's asleep and i'm awake and that mm-hmm. but that hit so hard um and it looks beautiful it's shot well uh, it looks like an indie film but like a studio picked it up like a big studio was like yo we're gonna we're gonna help you fund this as well i mean yeah a big budget film with style with style um also netflix coming hard they're really trying looks like um Mm -hmm. the lead in this fucking amazing the acting just looks fucking bar none in both of these trailers um really well cut together really well there's a, a whole story being told like i told before it's a great pace um within these m- a minute to two minutes or so great trailer fucking great trailer i hands down um there it, this is hard uh ian wh- what do you think oh i agree these are both really really compelling trailers both really well done um what midnight sky gets really really well for me uh is the sound design the sound design on midnight sky it it is a gorgeous film but both of these films are gorgeous uh midnight sky's sound design and that sort of lo-fi light motif that's going Mm. there it's sort Mm. of that like you know like hopeful longing mournful sort of like pinging sort of like like sort of like sound uh in the way that the music and the score like swells this is a story about hope um and the imagery and the the imagery supports that but i think in particular the score and the sound design here really really shine for me um that being said the white tiger this trailer fucking moves and that's due in no small part to the sound design as well from the very first second you hit play on this trailer you've got a fucking heavy bass drum thumping like driving the story like boom boom and it's like moving you right along and both of these stories seem to have what what i sort of think of as a plot as secondary like we are here to see these stories about i think more so with the white tiger than midnight sky because as you pointed out midnight sky does a really good job of getting that puzzle box in that intrigue of sort of setting up stakes 
for astronauts and Earth inhabitants and then having this sort of like mystery conflict between them. Like, we want to get back to Earth. Oh, but don't come back to Earth. Like, and why? Like, that's a huge question mark. Um, White Tiger's got a little bit of that, but it's more so, I feel like, concerned with the transformation of its main character. Both of these films, uh, or trailers rather, make incredible use of the montage. Oh yeah, absolutely. In sort of showing character growth over time. More so with the White Tiger again, like I think the plot there is going to be secondary and it's more so the plot serves as the impetus for the character to change. And we are here, we're here to see what the White Tiger is trying to sell us on with this trailer is you start the trailer with this very sort of demure subservient guy that's happy to like be at the beck and call of uh, a, a ruling class to the very end of the trailer where he is standing in this seeming empire or something, you know, like he has risen to a, a king-like status. And so we're really being sold on the journey there as opposed to any sort of mystery or puzzle box. Like, sure, we want to know how he does it, mm-hmm. but we like are sold on this performance and his transformation into this sort of uh, alpha predator, this, you know, tiger, for lack of a better uh, analogy. Um, in Midnight Sky, it's sort of like, okay, like, this is more so about hope. And so the plot, I think, will play a little bit more of, uh, it seems to sell us on the intrigue as much as the character development. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Uh, it's marketing both intrigue and hope. Like, oh, how do you find hope in a nuclear winter Earth? Well, that's the promise of our story. Come find out. Um, mm-hmm. oh, it, it is not an easy choice, but for me, I, I feel pretty confident uh, in which way I'm leaning. All right. All right. Well, with that being said, let's get to the the judges' cards here. Uh, who's winning this trailer versus trailer? The Midnight Sky or The White Tiger? Ian, I'm going to kick it off to you. Who you got? Both of these are incredibly strong contenders. They both make powerful use of the montage. That being said, the tonal shifts and where they occur in the trailer for The White Tiger are so severe and compelling that i i gotta give it up to to white tiger you know that's uh Mm. that's where that's where i end up falling with its themes and it's just overall mastery of its craft in the trailer if the product we get for the feature length is even half as well paced and well constructed then we're in for a whole treat all right okay uh i guess that leaves me the judges cards uh one for the white tiger um let's see all right so i'm gonna be completely frank i probably just because i love sci-fi will like she's kind of hard because i think i would favor um the midnight sky as a viewing experience hmm um, but this is trailer versus trailer. And right now, just because I've also seen movies similar to The Midnight Sky, one could say um, Interstellar. Um, I'm pretty sure mm. there's also um, a Twilight Zone episode that kind of resembles this, the, of the nude peel. In the studio with no central AC, Flix News. All right, fam, 
We are in Flix News with our first topic of the day. That is, Marvel is working on an all-female Avengers, says Letitia Wright. Um, and we know she played uh, uh, Shuri in Black Panther. And among other things, she has a bunch of credits. Check out her IMDb when you get a chance. She's very talented. All right. Um, and that source is from Cooper Hood at Screen Rant. Thank you, Cooper. Um, all right. So, um... Ian, what do you think about this news? I mean, it's long overdue. Like, yeah. Yeah, Marvel's received probably not enough flack for their lack of uh, femme-led MCU entries, you know? Um, yes. Because maybe, maybe if they had been... if if audiences had been more ardently pushing for it, like, they would have done it sooner. Like, that that's shitty to put the onus on audiences but and not the not the storytellers uh so maybe i won't do that maybe maybe i'll say that they just they finally are getting their shit together and doing what they should have been doing years ago <laughs> right mm-hmm. yeah uh you're absolutely right um i think she also mentioned that you know they worked on it after the warm reception that they received in the uh scene in endgame where all the uh fem-led superheroes kind of joined forces to to kick some ass and yeah that's been yeah. a little contentious yeah, because it was kind of like, look at this. It, um, I think there is some actual legitimate criticism, um, and then there are, of course, some shitheads, but we're not going to talk about them. Um, mm-hmm. But the legitimate criticism is you kind of like shoehorned it in um, for marketing. You did it to appease all those people who had been rightfully critiquing you for so right. long. Yeah. Look, we did it, though. They They had a whole fight scene. Yeah, yeah. It's like... You're like talking to children or something. You're like, look at that. Look, see, <laughs> right? See. Um. So I think it is long overdue. Um. You know, I I agree that they should have received a lot more slack. I think they have been, but like it hasn't been brought to the forefront. And sure, with this, I think we will, you know, hopefully set off on the right foot. A new president for what can and cannot be a superhero movie. Or a team up, and we're been, yeah again we've been long overdue for this. Um, I hope long overdue. I will say I appreciate the hell out of Miss Wright for yes, uh, going on record about this because it only further fans the flames under Disney's fucking backside to make it happen. Because now we've got like stars calling for it. She cites. MCU executive producer Victoria Alonso, um, Letitia Wright does, saying, uh, I don't think that we have to fight for it in reference to a female femme-led Avengers movie. Victoria Alonso is very strong about spearheading it alongside Kevin. It's only a matter of time before they do it. Yeah, I, w- I would love to see that story um, and uh, how they write it. Uh, yeah, I'm super intrigued. I hope that this is, you know, that this is in the works, that it will happen, and that they will just pull the trigger. Um, better uh, better now than any other time. Um, I, I'm fucking here for Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And I know Marvel, at least they're very, very good at writing superhero movies. They just are. So um, They sure continue we'll be, to do it well, don't they? They, they do, um, despite what Matt might think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she won't hear this part until later yeah you definitely uh anyway uh right let's get into our next topic uh ian what we got next up on the docket my friends we're talking about how jordan peele has recently announced that he'll be producing a wes craven remake specifically the remake of the people under the stairs this is from charles barfield at the playlist charles we love you. Your family misses you. Go do something other than write for the playlist. 
<laughs> You're incredible. Now breathe for a moment. Right. Go take a vacay. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is dope. I don't even know this movie. I don't know the people under the stairs. So I didn't. I didn't know that was a movie till now. I am not super familiar with this either. It apparently was a horror thriller that came out in '91, and to the best of my knowledge, it is progressive for the '90s. Mm. Like with that big caveat on there, you know, for the '90s, and keeping in mind that it's also Wes Craven. Um, I watched the trailer for the original. Oh boy! I gotta say, it like it looks pretty compelling. It's about some weird, sinister house and. Uh, there's some social commentary on the Reagan administration that's happening. Mm. Yeah, so like you know, it, it was a it was a political movie even for the time. Ooh, that fits right into. I'm reading it now, and I'm like, hold on now, mm-hmm. Jordan Peele will fuck this up. Like in the best. That's what possible I'm saying. Way. No. Oh God. This seems like a this seems like a, a something that is rife for Peele's specific touch. I kind of want him to direct it, to be honest. We'll see. He's been a little selective. He recently did an interview about why he didn't think he was right to direct Candyman, and he thought that Nia DaCosta was. So Mm. I think he's trying to be very much aware of the stories he feels compelled to curate. He's also Uh, very much original. He's like, I'm writing these. (laughs) Precisely. He's original, and I also think that there's an element of him like, I have the opportunity to uplift new storytellers. If someone comes in with a better vision for a project, like, I'll pass it off to them. Nia DaCosta came in with a great vision for Candyman. I'm going to hand it off to her. Like, and there's mad respect there, you know? Yeah, he's throwing his weight around in the best possible way, for sure. Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, I just reading the synopsis of the, this movie, I'm like, I was like, I don't even know Wes Craven did a movie like this, and that's... He's yeah. a good director when he wants to be. Like, he also directs, like, you know, questionable stuff, I'm sure. But overall, he tends to have a pretty strong message to the shit that he's directing and saying. I mean, yeah. and and He did do Vampire in Brooklyn. Yes, he did. He did do Vampire in Brooklyn. He did do Vampire in Brooklyn. Uh, yo, that shit is hysterical. <laughs> and Angela Bassett. All right. Um, I had forgotten about that until I saw that on the IMDb page. He did, he did that shit. That was him. Um, uh, Jesus, it's really sad that he's passed away, but uh, this uh, mm, mm-hmm. sure Peel will definitely do it justice and find someone who can direct it and do it justice as well. I mean, he also did Scream. I mean, like, Scream, people forget, is like a really good movie, actually. <laughs> In all honesty, it's like, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, did he do Nightmare on Elm Street, too? He did. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, so yeah. Um, I look forward to this. I'm ready for this. Uh, I, it'd be interesting to see when it comes out. Probably not next year. Probably 2022. Um, I, I look forward to uh, seeing a director that Jordan Peele will tap for this. Um, and I love that it's uh, not as well known as other Wes Craven pieces, too. So that just leaves more room for creativity. Because um, I mm-hmm. doubt their people are, are uh, straight stands for the people under the stairs. I'm sure there are some people out there, but I don't think it's a lot. The people like, oh, I can't believe they changed this. Are you talking about like the fucking ultra fans that are going to be like, I just want a shot for shot remake. Yeah, yeah. I I don't think there are many fans like that for this piece. So thankfully, no. <laughs> yeah, like, that's... I, I've never heard in any circles like, yo, my guy, people under the stairs. I will die for that film. <laughs> <laughs> Ever. Yeah. 
So I think it's a good choice too. Uh, if you're gonna remake something, remake something that not you know may have like a niche um, or like a cult following. All right. Well, with that being said, um, I think that rounds out our flicks news. Unless you got any other news for us, E, I think that might be it. That's that's it, baby. If you have any other stories that you wished we had covered, if you had any thoughts about the stories we did cover, let us know. Fucking smash that fucking comment button. Hit that at. Hit that at. Hit that big fat at. Hit that at. Hit that big fat at. God damn, that's hot as hell. Ah, oh, oh, hot, 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 Jesus Christ, you, you God, God, I should have worn my gloves. It's way too uh, hot, way too hot. Oh, it's so hot. Oh, so you, gotta, you gotta wait for it to cool off when it's out of the oven. You just Why do we never without, wait? Yeah, you can't just grab it. Why do we oh. take it out of the oven with no gloves? I don't know. It just, we're too hungry. That just seems like just, a bad contrived way to make to to get us to talk about something hot. Right, yeah. Oh my way. god, that's because it is. Yeah, you gotta build up those calluses, oh. man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, well, it's hot shit. takes. We're here, ready to give you a hot take. It is my week to give you a hot take, and I am ready to go. Um, what you got for it? Yeah, I'm so, so curious what's, what's giving off all this heat. Just hopping into this one. Uh, my hot take is Hollywood and casting have a problem. Casting in Hollywood is a problem. Uh, and this is going to be a little general, but I'm trying to specify it as quickly as possible with also, without like just bulldozing through it. Okay, so we know that Hollywood has a diversity problem, a uh, representation problem. Um, and that's it. Thank you. All right, guys. Next up, uh, we got trivia. No. <laughs> Just, All right, that's a hot take. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, but I think it's even uh, deeper than that. Um, and I think uh, Hollywood and other smaller uh, cities that do production, film production and, and the like, have enough resources for characters and actors to look to have different looks about them. Mm. Um, you see a lot of the same type. Um, you see when they pick a type, they stick to that type. For instance, Margot mm. Robbie, Samira uh, Weaving, I believe is her name. Yes, they look exactly alike. And there's another one out there, and I can't think of her name, um, that also looks like them. Oh, you have the Chris's, all the white Chris's. Um, <laughs> we can go down the <laughs> list of those. Um, you have, you just, they, it seems like they have a character list of what they believe is marketable and they always go down that list. There are so many pro projects right now, be it on Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, the streaming platforms, TV, movies, etc. Why have they not? And I think we're starting to see it, but I want it to be even pushed forward. Are we not seeing more stars being made? There's enough mm. pie for everyone. I don't mm. need a Brad Pitt lookalike, George Clooney lookalike, um, a Scarlett Johansson lookalike, a Jennifer Lawrence lookalike. And they do this weird thing where they always force these people to be like, this is the new darling. Like they'll they'll nominate them for like, say an Oscar. When that Oscar nomination, I sometimes dare I say, isn't deserved. Um, but they do it because they're like, this is what's selling. And you'll see a lot of the time in um, call sheets or like audition breakdowns of like, we want someone who looks like this. Well, why? Why does this person need to be this type of person? Find the person who best fits the fucking role. Um, and it's, it's so frustrating because in our industry, a lot of actors and, and my coworkers and friends 
get tired of it and get run down because of it. Um, just not having the opportunity to showcase your abilities on a, a larger scale. Not saying that that is the epitome of success because it's not. You can still do local theater, never really quote unquote make it as the industry will say, but still be have a fulfilled life. That's that's not what I'm talking about. And there definitely is still problems with casting there as well. But I'm talking about the resources are there for more than what maybe five percent who make it ten percent who make it maybe even less probably like two or one person who make it that's unacceptable because i know for fucking certain there are actors who will act circles around 80 percent of the people in hollywood right now but they haven't given that opportunity because they don't look like margot robbie or will smith or leonardo dicaprio it's sickening it's a problem it's a it i, I will even go so far as this i know i'm casting a large net but just ride with me if you can dear listener there's also a problem with casting black folks as black folks. They get cast as British black folks. They cast British black folks to play Americans. Now, I am not prejudiced and I love my British black brothers and sisters and I, they should take that job and that opportunity and it's not on them. So I think a lot of the the judgment and the anger may be misdirected and guided. It's Hollywood. It's a systematic thing. And we always, we can't let them pit us against each other. It's a casting thing. They want someone who seems exotic, but they don't want to deal with the the, the baggage that an African-American has to take with them every day and how they're treated. They, you also see colorism. They do this for um, women of color and black women as well. Um, if you guys watch the new series Charm, the the, the, the new um, CW series, the reboot, there's mm. a certain type of, of, of usually a, a, a femme black person, presenting person, uh, who's light skin and tall and has curly hair. Um, uh, Madeline Mantock, I believe, she plays Prue in uh, the new series. That's a type. And that's a type that's been going on for a while. I've seen that type. And I tell Anne all this time, like I've, we've seen this type nine or eight times already um and they keep casting the same looking person um and that's not the indicative of their talents these people are mostly talented right they've gotten to a place and this is not to knock on them for their hard work and dedication to the craft but i do think casting needs to open up and needs to be more accommodating to all shapes sizes um genders whatnot i know this is like redundant you guys talk about this all the time it's even more than that, though. Um, again, no one character should look like you should not have a character list or description of this person needs to be this person. Well, why don't you just get that fucking person? Obviously, you just want Brad Pitt to be Brad Pitt in this fucking movie. So stop wasting our fucking time. Um, and also, we can get into like um, uh, nepotism and stuff like that, too. But I'll leave that for another day. It's 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 bad. There's enough of the pie to go around. And I, I really hope that we are changing and changing for the better and that many other voices um, can be heard in, in the way we structure and the way we cast. Mm. I hope it evolves with the times because, you know, that, that's how mm. I feel. Anything could be marketable. It's just depending on the fucking script and the crew, you know, and the actor's dedication to the craft. Not if they look like fucking Jennifer Lawrence. All right. That's, mm. uh, that's my take. Um, and now, listener, please just keep a lookout for that. Not to say like it should ruin your viewing experience, but kind of see what I'm talking about. Because um, I don't think I'm out of my mind. And, and you'll start to see some consistencies, some some patterns arise. And you're just like, oh, that person looks oddly familiar. Uh, but yes, that's that's my... Uh, any any thoughts, gentlemen? I feel like I'm... Yeah, I, um, I, I totally agree with you. Um, 
I think this is part of the problem with uh, the fact that film is ultimately a money-making industry. Film Mm -hmm. has kind of always been money first and art second. Uh, And it is a... The the thing that is because this is true for actors. It's also true for stories. Mm. We tend to see the same stories told over and over and over again. And every now and then something that's really dynamic, something that's really interesting will break through and and Mm. be special. Um, But those are usually smaller independent films. They're not the big Hollywood films. Big blockbuster movies have kind of stopped being bold and adventurous, mm-hmm. and that uh, is in every step of the way, including casting. Um, and it's just this thing where they just want this sort of they want to paint this picture of this idealized iteration of the well, quote unquote, idealized. I'm gonna roll that back a sec because. Uh, an ideal world is not a world in which we all look and act alike. An ideal world is one in which there is space for all of us to exist comfortably and to do the thing that we are passionate about, you know, like, and not starve to death. And uh, <laughs> I, I think that... Um, it's one of the reasons why I like the Coen brothers so much because Mm -hmm. while they are still guilty of casting many actors who are of the, the famous variety, they also really care about casting people who look like normal people. That's actually something that they put out on their casting sheets. Like they, they look for people who just look like regular people, um, and and so you wind up with this these film worlds that tend to look a little bit more varied and a little bit more realistic and a little bit more dynamic because like not everyone too, is yeah. like you know a polished model exactly type or something exactly yeah. and mm. um and and I I think that that is I think you're entirely right I think it is a big problem because people just want money and so yeah. they go with what's safe you know they. Go Go with what's safe and they're not willing to like you know fairly allocate those funds to other up-and-coming art it's just it's a it's a shame that we sit here and just take it not saying that we're not being lazy about it we're obviously doing something now we're talking about it right we we always talk i know all all three of us and i'm sure many of the listeners who listen have thought about it and talked about it as well um, but if I'm generally speaking, like we just sit and just take this weird, oh, you got to earn your stripes. You got to eat a lot of fucking dog shit to get like, that's unacceptable. There's billions of dollars in the, the, the film industry. I repeat, mm-hmm. there's billions of dollars, hundreds of billions of dollars in that industry. And most people who work in this industry can barely make ends meet. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely fucking unacceptable because they try to keep the 1% of those people employed because they don't have to think. It's fucking, we're making money, baby. I can just call up Leo for this film. And granted, they still deserve careers. There, A lot of these people that I mentioned are phenomenal at what they do. Meryl Streep deserves what she has. But Viola Davis deserved to make these movies. But a fucking John uh, Paul or something or Laquan, they deserve to fucking make these movies too. Mm. And they continue to be shot down because one, they have to stop being green. And two, you're just not the type that we're looking for. Uh, Or this is my favorite. 
um, you're just a supporting actor. You're not. You're not a lead. Well, hold on. Mm. Is he a supporting Damn. actor? Are pardon? Are they a supporting actor in their lives? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm confused because if <laughs> that doesn't make any sense, it seems like they are leading in their lives. They can experience that with them they know what it's like to be in a body and have people around them to fulfill their lives there is no supporting actor character actor only they're actors anybody can play a lead you don't have to be fucking six foot goddamn tall that's ridiculous yeah Mm. and it's i mean it's it's one of the reasons why we have disparities in in in, in, in finances here yeah go ahead no I, i mean it's true though that like the whole concept of a character actor is like fucking insane yeah. The idea that it's like, well, this is a person who does a really good job acting, but they're not like eye candy. So we're going to relegate them to the secondary position. Right. Uh, right. Mm. Also, I would just like to point out, because I think that this needs to be said, character actors are a man's thing. There is no space in Hollywood for women who are not conventionally attractive in the ridiculous uh, paradigms that Hollywood has set. You get character actors for men, white men, Mm -hmm. you know? You get your Paul Giamatti's, you get your uh, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's, but you don't get that if you're a woman. You don't even get that because for Hollywood, you gotta be a young, like, blonde, like, pristine, carved from marble a la the Greeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> White girl under the age of 25. Yep. If you want to be successful. And then afterward, if you've done enough, then maybe we'll consider you for, you know, serious mother roles. But, like, holy shit, you know? <laughs> like, the yeah. fact is that there's no space. And we really, as artists and what they deem as the talent, I think we do our disservice. I think we do a disservice to ourselves by not coming forward and speaking out. And I know it's dangerous. I know it's it's a hard thing to do, especially you don't want to be labeled as uh, too hard to work difficult with. To work with. Difficult to work with. Difficult to work with. It's a yep. it's a double edged sword. I, I I get that. So um, there is a way I think we can professionally start making those those initiatives. And maybe thinking about you know when we get into that, I hate to say this because I just talked about eating shit. Maybe you do have to do that. Get a producing and start changing the dynamic because we desperately needs to be changed it we we, we it's it's unacceptable i i, I keep it'd be back. it would be yeah. great if change came from the top down unfortunately we know that like there are people who are stuck in ways of thinking or mm. you know they think it, 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 the mindset is changing at a glacial pace I think, and I I say glacial because it's not changing nearly fast enough. I think that Mm -hmm. you all have articulated perfectly uh, a real fucking problem that this industry needs to confront. Um, These people, uh, by which I mean casting directors and and to no small part probably people like executive producers you know the folks that are are Mm -hmm. in charge of the money tell the casting directors like i want this and like the casting directors like yeah great i'll find that um so like it'd be great if change came from the top down but i think it's that's just not how it's gonna happen there is a level of ben you were just talking about like how maybe you do have to eat a little bit of shit i and like i think there's something to be said there like you know you want there to be a, a sort of a threshold that one must cross before they can be entrusted to helm uh, uh, as a performer like a multi-million dollar film you know because mm-hmm. that's a lot of money 
to have on the line, and I understand that. But you also make a great point that if you just keep casting the same people over and over again, you the, no one gets the chance to prove that they can right. be that reliable. And how many times, speaking of like being difficult to work with, how many times is that just a coded way of saying like this person advocates for themselves <laughs> in such a way that like yep. it's obnoxious? I don't know. That's like exactly what I agree. That's exactly what it is. we know it's coded. And you know that's a good point too that you made. I, maybe the blame shouldn't always be on casting directors as well. It's probably coming up from the top down, um, producers, executive producers, big studios. Oh, and I'm sure casting directors have no small part in this. Right, you know, like yeah. I, I'm sure that they are a big part of being in the room with whoever the money is and being like, "Oh, you want this," and like the money, like being like, "Yeah, yeah, that." Or like yeah, you know, like exactly. it's it's just this ne- it's this weird echo chamber of just like bullshit on bullshit. Um, and mm-hmm. hey, I love all the casting directors that I've seen. Not talking about you guys. I'm talking about the other people. <laughs> <laughs> plug, plug. Please cast me your shit. But at the same time, <laughs> I'm talking about the bad ones. Well, and the, you know what this harkens back to? It makes right. me think of uh, how Ben, you and I many months ago covered the Netflix adaptation announcement of Tick, Tick, Boom, the the off-Broadway Jonathan Larson musical for listeners who are not familiar. Uh, It's getting a film adaptation uh, that is being uh, pinned and adapted for the screen by Lin-Manuel Miranda, but then they cast Andrew Garfield uh, in the role of, I think the character's name is John in Tick, Tick, Boom. Uh, And for listeners who are not familiar with Tick, Tick, Boom, the premise is that the main character, again, I think his name is John, is going through a midlife crisis because he's turning 30 and he's still a nobody grinding away in this thankless craft where he's not receiving any sort of recognition. I can't think of a better time to be like, hey, who is an unknown who's fucking talented as fuck? Exactly. They will eat that role the fuck up. You kidding me? Wait for this. That's their life. Mm-hmm. And that's Been not to there. disparage Mr. Garfield. Like, I'm sure Andrew Garfield can do phenomenal at this. I don't think that he has a lot of prior musical training, just based off of the research well, that I did around the time of that announcement. This is a whole other thing where I I think that there's this really great YouTube uh, series called Sideways, uh, and he, he, he kind of talks about music theory, and uh, his stuff is really great. Check it out. It's brilliant, brilliant stuff if you haven't yet. And... Uh, one of the things that he talks about is why the music in the live-action Disney remakes is so much Mm -hmm. worse than the ones in the originals. And there's a lot of different things going on in that. But one of the things he talks about is the fact that all of the people who did the singing and the voice acting in the original Disney animated films were trained singers and trained actors, like voice actors. And then Mm -hmm. you have people like Emma Watson, who... While she is a talented actress and did an okay job singing, is not a classically trained singer. Mm -hmm. And so you're already setting your person up for failure when you're casting someone who is not like a triple threat. And then you're saying you're going to be a triple threat right now. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And there are so many people out there who can do those things. So many people in theater who know how to do those things. Why not cast them, mm. you know? Yeah. That's its own separate thing. But it's all part of this broader problem, which is that Hollywood likes the things that it's consumed before. Yep, yep. Uh, yeah, and it's it's a, it's a reoccurring thing. And again, like I said, there's no reason for it. There's enough pie to go around, and yet people can barely make ends meet. Yeah. Because of this problem. Um, yeah. And we really got to start looking at better ways to include more people. Um, definitely race. That's always number one. I mean, that's gender, such that's a big always thing. Yeah. top. But then when we get to that and understand that, it'd be very nice for other people who don't necessarily maybe aren't conventionally attractive. Maybe there's something unique and striking about them to start getting some shine to for heaven fucking sakes. But that's that's where I'm going to go. I'm going to leave it at that because we could talk about this all fucking day. It's a, it's a problem, and it, you could tell it really pisses me off because I'm an actor, and <laughs> uh, it might be a little biased, but, you know, fuck it. Tell them to speak my truth. So uh, that's, that's yeah. hot takes. <laughs> Word. Good hot take. Indeed. Um, Indeed. All right. So uh, who has a hot take for next week? Yeah, you know what? Uh, I actually just remembered that in our little uh, temporal mishap, our little time escapade mm -hmm. wherein we rewrote the timelines, uh, I forgot to go ahead and give y'all my hot take on how TikTok's going to revolutionize the future of cinema, folks. And so it's back. I'm pulling it out from the alternate timeline that split off at the moment wherein we definitely didn't forget to publish episode 76. And I'm, I'm threading it back into this here timeline, just weaving the golden vibing humming strings of fate and reality into a harmonious hot take. Mm. Hell yeah. Tune the fuck in. Tune in. <laughs> All right, let's go to the next segment. Oh, howdy there. You know what that, that there little sound means. That's the bale of knowledge. The bale of knowledge. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. We, we're doing Wes Craven movies because we talked about Wes Craven uh, this episode, and it just you know, it, it rounds out the Halloween season, even though this is probably coming out uh, after it, but whatever. It, Halloween gets an extra but week whatever. now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it gets an extra week, and you know what? Thanksgiving? Psh, no. No. No turkey, no nothing. We messed up the timeline, it, so the timeline's different. It's, the timeline's that, different. That's canon. <laughs> uh, yeah. Canon. Uh, all right, all right. Here we go. Uh, I'll go first. Shit, I guess I'm going first. Please, <laughs> yeah. I, I thought you, you sounded like you were taking the reins. I, know, I was I, like, uh, yeah. So we yeah, here we go. Uh, this was the first Freddy movie not filmed in the, in the United States, and the filmmakers had to search for a new house that resembled the oh, famous man. Freddy Cougar Elm Street house for the first seven Nightmare films. Do you have this already? I do. It's not my question, but I do know the answer. Okay, it's well, Freddy versus the Jason, right? Knows it, the question, and just oh. just act. Be an actor here. <laughs> Oh, yes. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Was it uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master? Was it Wes Craven's New Nightmare? Was it Freddy mm. versus Jason? Or was it A mm. Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child? <sighs> yeah, I know it's tough. You gotta you gotta really think about it. It's okay. Hold on. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I'm just doing one of those, like, you know, Slumdog Millionaire moments where you play you. it back in your mind and you're like, yeah. everything in my life has led to this. Right on. It is incrementally important that right. sandwich that i had on yeah, october yeah. 12th where i yeah. i made it without mustard and i wasn't You're satisfied right. it's a butterfly effect yeah here here's the thing this and question is worth 100 million thoughts and prayers <laughs> Fuck. that could like solve everything yeah if i believe some political pundits that could that could be like <laughs> 
Wow. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. literally the fate of the world yeah, yeah, here. Yeah. Uh, as I, I uh, oh, mm, I'm going to go, uh, is it uh, Freddy? Uh, Freddy versus Jason? Is that your final answer? Oh, fuck. <laughs> no, you got me second guessing and the fate of the world's on the line. <laughs> um, y- yes, that's my, that's my final answer. Phone yes. a friend. I, oh, God. Okay. Um, I'm going to get your friend on, uh, uh, Scarfy McScarferson. He's on. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh hello? Yeah, Scotty. Uh, Scarfy. I, I don't know. Scarfy, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be anyway. Uh, Ian needs help with this question. Can you help him? Uh, you know, I just, uh, I finished up uh, masturbating, but I think I got it. I think I got it. Okay, all right. Are you ready, Ian? Come on, Scarfy. Yeah, yeah. I'll yeah. give Scarfy the question. Scarfy, this was the first Freddy movie not filmed in the United... I already know it. I already know it. Okay, okay. all right. Well, That's right, Scarfy. That's right. All right, all right. Uh, What's yeah, the answer? It's going to be Freddy versus Jason. Uh, yeah, gotta, gotta, gotta take it. I think you're right. Yep. All right. I'm locking it in, Ben. I'm locking it in. All right, there you go. All right, and that is correct. Oh, man, you... Ooh. That was a great guess. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, listener, he already knew. We, we, sometimes that happens when we do the theme. <laughs> I did the same thing. Sometimes, yeah, you end up looking up and researching the same stuff. Because great minds think alike. Great minds. That being said, Ben, you want to see if you already know this fun little tidbit I got for you? Sure, let's go. While the full extent of his involvement cannot be confirmed outright, it is widely believed that this film was one of Wes Craven's earliest successes. Mm. Is it Deep Throat? Is it The Hills Have Eyes? Is it Music of the Heart? Or is it A Nightmare on Elm Street? I, dude, I'm such a child. Deep Throat, get cackles. That's actually legitimately the answer. Wes Craven, he used to be an educator, I think, if memory serves. And then he started getting into film by directing hardcore pornography, Deep Throat, because uh, of course I did research on this. Uh, Deep Throat is largely considered to be a, f- a pornographic film released in the 60s okay. that, uh, quote unquote, according to Wikipedia, ushered in the golden age of pornography. So of this course. is like an iconic vintage pornography film that Wes Craven is confirmed as having worked on. Uh, there is a film, literally, there's a documentary about this porno- pornography film called uh, Inside Deep Throat or something, wherein they interviewed, <laughs> I know, I know, but they interviewed Wes Craven and he's like, oh yeah, when I first started out, I directed tons of hardcore pornography under pseudonyms. So up, odds though. are, yeah. if, you were, if you were in the 60s and 70s being a little degenerate, you probably were a fan of Wes Craven before you knew it. There you go. He's been with you this whole time in your heart and in your hands. Uh, <laughs> Do you want to know the plot of Deep Throat, Ben? Because, of course, I read the plot of, of Deep Throat. Of course I want to know the fucking plot. <laughs> <laughs> this woman uh, is struggling to climax. She's never had an orgasm in her life. Oh, she goes boy. to like a sex party and she talks with her friend about it and like she still can't reach climax. Sounds so she goes real. to this psychiatrist. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, they, buckle up. She she goes to a doctor wherein he's like, ah, I have identified the problem. The reason why you're not orgasming is because your clitoris isn't near your vagina. It is in your throat. And so, like, the premise of this film is that uh, she can only get off on giving people head. That's and, ridiculous. Uh, 
Yep, and like he's like he's like, may I study you for medical uh, research purposes while you try to find the man of your dreams? And so like he essentially just walk watches her deep throat a bunch of men while he he fucks his assistant. <laughs> that is the plot of Deep Throat, as Wikipedia would have you believe it. Mm, my God, that's a great story. That's an <laughs> icebreaker for sure, guys. This is why we do this. Yeah, that, you that's right. Start that conversation uh, <laughs> at a party. Uh, so what do you make of the 1963 revolutionary film, uh, explicit pornography film, Deep Throat? Deep Throat uh, yeah, um, and what it did for the, the cultural miasma yeah, at the time. Could, it's a good campfire story. <laughs> Gather around. <laughs> all right, you ready for your second one? Oh, I'm always ready. Yeah, what do you got for me? Okay, according to director Wes Craven, the crew set up a special editing office to restore prints returned from cinemas for this film because everyone would come back chopped up by theater owners. Oh. Which movie was it? The Last House on the Left, Swamp Thing, Shocker, Invitation to Hell. Mm, I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Invitation to Hell. Part of me thinks that it's Last House on the Left uh, for many reasons. But uh, I'm going with Invitation to Hell because apparently... This is something else I learned. I learned that uh, Wes Craven didn't think that Last House on the Left was going to be distributed nationally. He thought it was mm. going to be like an art house, grindhouse film. Mm. And that's why he said he went as extreme as he did to just like test those boundaries. And then when it was like a national release, he was like, oh, fuck, no. Good luck. <laughs> He's just like, uh, your your instincts were right, actually. It was not Invitation to Hell. It was the Last House on the Left. They fucking God chopped damn it. that shit up. They're like, hell no, this ain't gone. Not not here. Not in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, dear listener, I do apologize if my recording has just been invaded by a trailer for Borat subsequent movie film. <laughs> Glorification <laughs> cultural data to Kazakhstan. Because I was on IMDb and it just went off. Up. That's great. <laughs> Oh, all right, uh, Ben, are you ready for number two from my end? A, a, a sneaky little treat I got for you? Yes, go ahead. Ben, which Wes Craven film saw the cast and crew printing out t-shirts reading, I survived scene 118 due to the strenuous circumstances of its shooting schedule? Was this film Deadly Blessing? Was this film Red Eye? Was this film Swamp Thing? Or was this film Scream? Swamp Thing? Is that your final answer? Yeah. My friend, it was Scream. Ah, uh, Scream has a party scene that lasts 42 minutes, and the way that uh, the uh, gossips would tell it, they shot that scene over the course of 23 nights. Holy uh, it's shit. a 42-minute long party scene that they shot over the course of 23 nights, starting from sundown to sun up. That's so essentially, impressive. everyone just became fucking, yeah, nocturnal for the better part of a month. Shit. They're losing their shit. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what he wanted. I don't know. I mean, maybe. I think it was honestly just budget and stuff. There's not a whole lot of reason on why. I think it was just a really tough scene. <laughs> Man, I hope they got paid. I'm sure those actors got paid pretty well too for that shit. Mm-hmm. And the crew and everybody. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot. Invested. 23 money. night shoots. All nighters. 23. All right. Damn. For one scene. <laughs> that's impressive but that's what we love to do i would love that shit i would be mad but i would also be oh yeah like, yes yeah, is what i love to do and the moment you're gonna be tired and grumpy as hell like didn't even get a fucking second cup of coffee fuck God damn it right. but then like <laughs> i gotta rewatch that uh fucking movie uh, right we gotta go give that. them like a little more due diligence yeah. thank you <laughs> cast oh. and crew for <laughs> the yeah. second half of this film which Y'all was apparently hell yeah uh, all right you ready for your third and last one yes please i'm hungry for it 
In the film Curse, the cane on display in the beginning of the movie is the same one used in what Stephen King's miniseries? Hmm. Was it Storm of the Century, Balaam's Lot, The Tommyknockers, or Rose Red? Oh, fuck. I could be any of those to the best of my knowledge i will say this mm-hmm. the name tommy knockers is funny it so is. i'm saying tommy knockers steven what were you doing pal <laughs> what are you doing over there tommy knockers <laughs> like all right bro coming to knock your tommies <laughs> <laughs> that's just i kind of want that to be like a weird monster now Hey, it's Tommy Knocker. Come to knock your tummies. <laughs> oh no, it's Tommy Knocker. Knock your tummies away. Ha <laughs> ha. So which one is it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going with the Tommy Knockers. All right. Uh, it is actually Storm of the Century. That was a tough one, but like. Ugh. I didn't really have great questions, but that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That um, was a good one. Thank Don't you. I appreciate yourself. it. That yeah. was good. Thank yeah. You. All right, is that it? is that it for us? I got one more. Yeah, one you. more. Okay, cool. cool, cool. Yeah, oh, I thought so. That's what All you right, got? Here we go. Um, Ben, mm-hmm. this Wes Craven film is one of the few in cinematic history to feature a dog having a flashback. <laughs> <laughs> is this movie? And I looked this up. Uh, a few people have compiled lists, and none of them exceed like thirty movies in all of the hundreds of years, the hundred plus years of cinema. There have only been like thirty-ish movies with a dog what having a flashback. So, was this Wes Craven movie mm-hmm. <laughs> a Nightmare on Elm Street three, Dream Warriors? Was this movie The Hills Have Eyes Part Two? Mm-hmm. Was this movie Invitation to Hell, or was this movie? Shocker. Is it Invitation to Hell? It is The Hills Have Eyes Part 2. Oh, my uh, God. The Fantastic. the 80s version, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, that <laughs> uh, Wes fast. Craven apparently hates the movie, too. He's like, he's like, I did it for money. I don't even want to pretend I made it. <laughs> it's part of history. Bro, did he like... How I wonder how that writing room was like, yo, like, this is great, Wes. Um, but can the dog... Dogs are, dogs are hit right now. Uh, tell him, tell him, Frank. Yeah, no, no, no. Dogs are hit. So these kids are crazy for these dogs. These crazy for these dogs. Could we give the dog a flashback? Is that? It's like that's not really what I do. <laughs> I know that's not what you do, but you know we do write the checks. <laughs> uh, all right, I guess I'll give that dog a fucking flashback then. <laughs> I just like yeah. The, who was script supervisor that like that gets passed across your desk and you're reading and it's like. Hey, I got a question. Uh, on like page twenty-three, it says dog has flashback. Was that meant to be like Dag or one of the other yeah, characters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's dog. It's the dog. So the dog has a flat. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yep. This dog has a flashback. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I, yep. I I gotta That's know. That's amazing. That's fantastic. Uh, and with that, we're done with trivia. Uh, let us know if you got any fun trivia tidbits, uh, dear listener, and we will try to throw it on. Please don't be scared. We do not bite. Um, so please send them in. We'll, we'll love to hear them. Any of our social media platforms. Thank you. And, uh, we're going to close this sucker on out. Close it out. Ooh, oh man. That's another one. Another one in the books. This feels good. Uh, we're getting close to the 80. That's awesome. We've done close to 80 of mm-hmm. these. That's dope. I'm so happy about that. And it's been a fun ride with you, E. And uh, hopefully the next the next episode that drops, or if this drops, we still have a country. So that'd be great. Uh, that'd be lovely. If be we lovely. could just make that happen. Yeah. If I could not release episode right. 77 of our podcast to a dystopian authoritarian wasteland, that'd be 
Great. That'd be great. Um, yeah. So like, hopefully, like, 2020 owes us this. God damn it, you owe us this. Come on, 2020. You've been, you've been nasty already. Like, you owe us. You owe us this. Right. Like, come on. Get your shit come together. On. Give it to us. We know you want to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The rest of the year could suck, but just give this one. Just, we, just, just, give this one. <laughs> just do one little victory. That's all. That's like. it. That's all. There's not too much that. All right, Ian. Uh, why don't you let the people know who you are, where to find you, um, how to get in contact with you, all that good stuff. What you're doing, mm -hmm. and what's your favorite Thanksgiving Day meal? Um, or just you know the Indigenous folks Day meal because Thanksgiving is bullshit. <laughs> mm -hmm. Hell yeah, friends. My name is Ian Gabriel Gonzalez Muntner. You can find me on Facebook as Ian Muntner. You can find me on Twitter as Sir Yikes a Lot at Baby Got Knack. You can find me on Instagram as Sock Ninja Eight Eight Eight. And uh, you know if I were to partake. Uh, and that their late November holiday, um, Indigenous People and Cultures Day. Um, I typically I can't I can't do the turkey. Uh, I, I like a lot of taters with mm. gravy. Hundred yeah. percent that. Yeah. yeah. Um, mad shout out to uh, a friend Fee who hosted one of the most banging Thanksgiving parties I'd ever been to. I think it was last year. Um, and so that she had like fucking chili there and jalapeno poppers like i basically like fucking just give me all the 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 starch and gravy juice type shit that's all i want that's all i want for for a big old meal like that all right um ben who are you where can people find you and uh, what do you do and uh la lastly uh what is a, a, a vegan uh, holiday meal alternative that makes your skin crawl? It makes my skin, okay, cool, I like that. Um, hi, my name's Ben Jenkins. Hey, uh, you can hi. find me, hey, you can find me on Facebook at Benjamin Timothy Jenkins. You can find me on Twitter at BTJenkins91. You could find me on Instagram at Benvolio91. You could also, if you wanna cast a brother, look at some of my portfolio, uh, go to my website at Benjamin Timothy Jenkins. Uh, I'll try to get in contact with you there. I, of course, I'm an actor. You've been listening 70 plus episodes. And my, I guess, one of the vegan dishes, the holiday dishes that make my skin crawl that I just won't eat. Um, man, I, you know, you know, all my vegan meals have been really good, so I'll just go in general. If this was on the table, any type of uh, veggie patty, um, mm -hmm. like, and I mean, not veggie patty, because like, in Impossible Burgers are great, uh, Beyond Burgers are great. Any of those uh, meat substitutes are delicious. I'm talking about the bean patty. I, uh, look, dear listen, I, I gotta let you know something, because if you guys eat meat, we vegans and vegetarians actually like some flavor, at least most of us, at least people of uh, darker hue. Um, and <laughs> I'm not gonna sit here and eat a salad all day and lettuce. That's not something that I do. And I damn sure do not want under any circumstances, a bean burger. Do not give it to me. Mm -mm. I will be mad. You have ruined my day now, thank you. Um, they just <laughs> do not, the consistency isn't there. It tastes like grass and I don't like it. It's just not a good alternative. And no amount of like fake cheese or anything can really bind it well. So it always is just crumbles in your hand. Uh, they used to be one at Harry Carey's um, that was a slider. It was like a black bean slider. That shit was d disgusting. Um, and it just indicative of most black bean burgers. Disgusting. All right, there you go. That's something that I really don't want at any of my meals, let alone a holiday meal. All right. <laughs> 
And with that being said, you know what time it is. If you, if you haven't voted, go out and vote. Um, the election is going to be interesting. It's going to be a week, so don't stress out about it. Um, but at the same time, understand that there's a lot of hard work that we need to do. If the outcome goes our way or if it doesn't go our way, we have a lot of work um, to mm -hmm. do. I mean, it doesn't get easier from here. We have to try our best for this not to happen again and also push the establishment people who may or may not win into the direction of the people and not of big corporations. So it's important for you to exercise your right to vote, vote for the right person. There's one clear right person. And I'll leave it at that because if you haven't been listening first time, you should now go back, listen to the, the previous episodes. I think you'll know exactly what I'm talking about here. Um, and m m grab some booze, maybe smoke a little of the green if you got it. Um, relax, try to watch some movies. Of course, anything that we recommended to you is great. Um, maybe some of the trailers that we recommended to you, just, just sit back, try your best to relax. Don't stress out about it too much. Um, if everyone has voted, it should go the way that we think it should go, but we all know that things could happen in the way our system is rigged. Anything can happen and it's bullshit, but we need to be willing to march, march, protest. And if you don't have the ability to march, protest mentally or physically, do all that you can um, where you are to support um, because the government works for us. It is not the other way around. Um, so with all that being said, if you want to take off, take your mind off of some things, hey, we got 70 plus episodes uh, of movie content here that is is dope. You should definitely be listening and, 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 and watching the stuff. Cause I know you're like, hey man, Ben, I just, just this election. I'm gonna be glued to my TV. Don't do that, man. Like maybe check in every once in a while on Twitter and see what, you know, what state's leading, what, do that maybe. But like, mm -hmm. if you want to take off, take some time away, just like listen to the movies and listen to the podcast and watch the movies that we've suggested. You know what I mean? If you, and if you don't, if you just have to like have everything off, sit in the dark, drink some whiskey, chat with friends, that's cool too. Don't worry. Mm -hmm. Cause you always have a place to come back to because we're too many flicks and we watch all the flicks. So that you don't have to. Hey, you made it to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening all the way through. We have a few things that we want to cover with you before we sign off here. First things first, if you want to get in contact with us for anything at all, like please leave a comment, like, subscribe, anything like that. You can contact us on any of our social media platforms. It's number two and an X at the end. That's at Too Many Flicks, the number two and an X at the end. And we will get back to you as soon as we can. Again, like, subscribe, comment on anything that you see there. Also, on any of the podcasting streaming platforms, please rate our show and review it. That way we can trick the algorithm into thinking that we have a lot more listeners than we actually do. But we do have a faithful base of listeners and we are happy that you guys are, are with us because we can't do it without you. Um, also, if you want to get in contact with us via email, you can do that as well. That's too many flicks.chicago at gmail.com. That's too many flicks.chicago at gmail.com. And I'm almost done, guys. I promise you here. But I want to let you guys know that this show is moving in different directions 
um, not anything too drastic, but we're trying our best to finally take that step forward and move the podcast over to, you know, platforms like YouTube. So that way, not only can you listen to us, but you can hear us because we understand that not everyone can listen to an entire podcast without any visual stimuli. And we want to give more people a chance to actually see, uh, the background and how things work behind the scenes and we can just establish a really cool dynamic between viewer listeners and us um, because you guys are a part of the show just as well as we are you help us make it just as well as we make it ourselves so again we thank you very much also we have D podcast coming soon that's going to be headlined by our good friend and audio engineer matt frost be on the lookout for that um so we need some time to make these moves happen so what's going to happen here with the structure of the show is that we'll drop too many flicks proper every two weeks we know there's a lot of movie news a lot of things going on right now we will get back to our weekly schedule but for right now uh, we're kind of front-loaded with a lot of, of the business side of everything, so we want to make sure we get everything done and done in a professional manner. So you'll see the show fluctuate from week to week, um, which is good. It's a good thing. We'll just have a lot of news to cover in that week, but we will do it enthusiastically like we always do. But Stream Theory, which is a little easier for us to um, produce, will come out weekly. So you can still look forward to a show being weekly. Um, and that stream theory will review anything that's on a streaming platform. And too many flicks proper, that's every two weeks. Just giving you guys a heads up um, because we have so many things in the works for you. Just be on the lookout in the next couple of months or so. Uh, we're trying to grow the Too Many Flicks brand as large as possible without it being overwhelming. So just be patient with us as we uh, try to traverse new territory in this uh, this media business. Um, and again, thank you guys very much. Also, we will have links to Black Lives Matter foundations in the details as well. We are not tone deaf. We do know that black people are still being killed by police officers. It's just no other way to put it. It's disgusting. We believe that Black Lives Matter are here, and we will always do that. And we want to put that out there. Please donate. It's happening here in Chicago. It's happening everywhere. We're sick and fucking tired of it. And we want to make that a, a, a part of this show as well. So if you listen, that means you got to be in support. That means we got to do the legwork just as well as everyone else. And we will use this platform to make sure that people understand the importance of Black Lives Mattering. And that's every black life. And we want to make sure you understand that. That way we are on the same page moving forward. All right, I'm out of here, guys. I know it's a, a longer housekeeping message than usual, but we have a lot, of, lot to cover. So, all right, okay, bye. Love you. Thank you so much for listening.